Today we're continuing our series entitled, When God Says No. And as I was preparing, I was thinking about our relationship with the word no. I think for many of us, our relationship with the word no is negative. And it started very, very young when our parents said no. They said, no, you can't stay up all night. No, you can't just eat, eat sweets or snacks. No, you can't not shower for a week. And no, you can't date till you're 30. Mom and dad, by the way, I got married at 24. Sorry for the no on that one. But I discovered that God, when he says no, he means something different. When God says no, he's actually saying, I have something better in mind for you. For you see, when God says no, he's saying, no, you're not just going to get the house for asking price. You're going to get it below asking price. No, you're not just going to get a partial scholarship. You're going to get a full scholarship. No, you're not going to marry that person because I have a better yes for you in the future. When God says no, he often means he has a better yes in mind for us if we're willing to trust him. So today I want to talk about a no that's actually a yes. And I'm entitling my message today, No Longer Alone. God did not intend for us to be alone. He intended us to be connected to him. Imagine what our life would be like if we fully internalized the truth of this statement that we're no longer alone. What would our life look like if we really believed that Jesus was right close to us, that he was as close as the mention of, of his name, and that we could have access to him and to his love? What kind of confidence would we have to step into difficulties, into challenges, and to unknown situations if we knew that we were no longer alone? So today I want to invite you into Romans chapter 8. We're looking at that magnum opus of a passage of scripture from the Apostle Paul. He writes in Romans about the nose of God and how the nose of God actually mean a yes for us. Let's look together. Verse 35 and following. Open up your Bible, your Bible app, your Westover app. Let's look together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, shall hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, say all these things. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's saying no. The nose of the world, the nose of the enemy are canceled by the nose of God. If we can understand that the no of God cancels everything that the enemy brings our way, we can step in and we can step into the future that God has for us. Today I want to share with you a couple things that God's love does. Number one, God's love overcomes. Say overcomes overcomes every rejection. The Apostle Paul says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? See, Paul understood something about the human condition. 
He understood that all of us, we face rejection. We're excluded, we're left out, we're forgotten, we're pushed away. All of us, at some point of our life, have experienced rejection. I call it people pain. And people pain starts very, very young. It starts on the kindergarten playground. When you go up to play with someone and they say, no, I don't want to play with you. It continues in middle school when you're in the cafeteria and you're about to sit down at a table and they say, no, you can't sit here. It continues into high school when you go out and try out for the team and they say, no, you didn't make the team. Then you apply to college or you apply to a job and you get those ill-fated words that say, we regret to inform you. And then it goes on to say, no, this opportunity is not for you. And if that wasn't the worst, we then step into relationships. And often for many of us, we've heard those words that say, I'm no longer in love with you. Each and every day, people in our church family experience the no of the world. And that leaves many of us guarded and jaded and skeptical about people. And so we guard up, we lock up, we protect our heart because we feel if we can just protect our heart, we won't get hurt. And then we end up in a place where we're all alone. Unfortunately for many of us, we've transferred this perspective about people, this perspective that people are gonna create pain in our life and we transfer it to Jesus. And we think, God, I can't get close to you because it's only a matter of time before you reject me too. But Paul understood something different. He knew, he knew that Jesus was after us. He's always wanting to connect with us. This past week, I reached out to a friend of mine. I'd heard that he was in the hospital. He was recovering from a medical procedure. And I decided that I was going to reach out and connect with him. So I decided to do a voice FaceTime call. And it buffered and it buffered and it buffered and we couldn't connect. So then I made a phone call. And then I heard every third word and then the call dropped. So then I called him two more times and it cut straight to voicemail. Then I sent a text message, and then I looked at my notifications when I realized that he didn't, hadn't texted me back, and it said, message not received. So then I sent another text message, and I said, hey, if you have a landline, crossing my fingers, if you have a landline, would you give me a call? He sends me a text message back, and he says, there is a landline. Keep in mind, he's in the hospital, but it's not connected. Finally, a couple minutes later, I get a phone call and a number that I don't receive. I pick it up, and it's my friend, and we began to talk. He said, I found a nurse. They were able to connect it, and now I'm able to call you. But even as I was praying for him and encouraging him, we were still disappointed because even in our phone call on a landline, there was still static. We were able to connect, but the connection wasn't as good as we had hoped. In life, many of us, we feel like that with God. We feel like if we try to connect with God that it's gonna be difficult, that we're gonna experience a drop call or we're gonna end up in a dead zone or we're gonna end up with static on the line. I wanna reassure you, church, that God is as close as the mention of his name and you get a crystal clear 5G connection anytime you call out to him. He'll never drop the call on you because God he wants to overcome every rejection that you've experienced. Many of us, we've experienced relationship glitches or miscommunications or people have dropped us. But Jesus is not like people 
Because even when the world rejects us, God reaches out. He still reaches out and he's reaching out to each and every one of us to say, you're no longer alone. I still love you. I wanna have relationship with you if you're just willing to connect with me. I wanna encourage you. Don't let the pain of your past in relationship with people separate you from the love of Jesus. God has love for each one of us and he wants us to experience it. And the way we experience it is through Jesus Christ because when Jesus wants to give us love, he just doesn't give us love. He gives, him, he gives us himself because the Bible tells us that Jesus is love. So today, if you need the love of God, just receive Jesus. And if you do, you'll discover the love that your heart is yearning for. Number two, don't let anyone get between you and Jesus. No person is more important than Jesus. Don't let anyone stand between your relationship with Jesus. Put Jesus at the center of your circle. Put him at the center of your circle, and if you do, you'll find that your life will work. And if Jesus is not at the center of your circle, put him there. And if your circle rejects Jesus, get another circle. Check your circle, and if necessary, change your circle. Let Jesus be at the center of your life because when he's closest to you, you experience his love, and God doesn't want us to be separated from his love. The second thing that love, God's love does is God's love conquers every difficulty. Verse 35 through 37 says this, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of the sword as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. I love the know of God here. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul is saying this, I know life is challenging. I know it's difficult. I know you're facing a hard time. In fact, I wanna encourage you believers that sometimes following Jesus is harder than following the world. Sometimes you're gonna face more difficulty for following Jesus, but he says, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm gonna get through, I'm gonna get you through the difficulty that you're facing. And Paul Paul, he had some credibility when, when it came to pain. In fact, I want to suggest to you that he had a PhD in pain. He was whipped five times. He was shipwrecked and beaten with rods three times. He was left out in the cold. He spent a whole day at sea and was left to drown. He, he faced hardship and difficulty. He went days without food and sleep and water. He even experienced nakedness. But even yet, he discovered that the love of God found a way to conquer the difficulty that he was facing. I don't know what situation you're, you find yourself in today, but God's love can conquer every difficulty. It can help you be the conqueror that you need to be. I began to think about the hardship of life, and I said, God, what's this all about? And what I sensed in my heart was this, is that whenever God doesn't remove the storms of life, it's because he wants to show up in them. When he doesn't remove the storm or remove us from the storm, it's because there's something he wants to do by showing up in the storm. Here's a couple of insights that I've gleaned over the time of studying this passage. God, number one, God proves his faithfulness by showing up in the storm and getting us through it. We can't learn about the faithfulness of God when it's smooth sailing. In fact, 
We learn about the faithfulness of God when everything goes wrong. We learn about the faithfulness of God when we feel like we're drowning and we're just not going to make it. God shows up in the storm and he consistently gets us through. For you see, Jesus whispers in our peace and shouts in our pain. But he doesn't shout at us. He turns to the storm and he says, be still and be silent. What if Jesus turned and shouted at the storm that you're facing? Church, will you just let him show up and shout at your storm? Some of you are facing storms. You're sitting here and everything's quiet, but you know that there's a storm in your life or in your heart. Let Jesus stand up and say to your storm, be silent in the name of Jesus. And if you do, you'll discover that he will be faithful and that he will be good. The second reason why God allows storms in our life is because God grows our faith in storms. In fact, if you're in a storm right now, it could be possible that God is answering a prayer that you prayed some time ago. Some of you have been praying, God, make me strong. Make me a spiritual giant. Let me do great things for you. And he says, okay. Well, then I'm gonna put you in a trial. I'm gonna put you in a difficult circumstance. I'm gonna put you in the fire. I'm gonna put you in some struggle. And when we're in the midst of that, we're saying, God, what's going on? And he's saying, I'm trying to actually answer a prayer that you had. I'm trying to make you strong. For you see, spiritual struggle develops spiritual strength because faith, like muscles, only grow under tension. I'm gonna say it again. Faith, like muscles, only grow under tension. It's only when the muscles are stretched that they grow. And it's, that, it's the fact that God wants to grow your faith. Church, I don't know about you, but sometimes we need to be willing to say, God, you're gonna get me through. I believe in you. I trust in you. I know that the tension and the struggle that I'm facing is there to work out for my good. For you see, God doesn't protect us from what he will perfect us through. God does not protect us from what he will protect us through. Many of us, we want the prestige of Paul's ministry without the pain of Paul's suffering. Sometimes pain is the pathway to God's purpose in our life. Oswald Chambers put it this way, before God can use a man greatly, he must wound him deeply. Paul had learned that the affliction of God was more important than the comfort of the world. He says, I'm willing to reject the comfort of the world because I then learned the affliction of God and I learned the fact that God is close and that he can move. I think Paul, when he wrote verse 36, he knew something in his heart, something that the Spirit of God had revealed to him. For you see, he says this, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. I think he knew he knew that he would pay for his faith in Jesus with his life. Paul knew that even though pain is real, so is hope. And hope's name is Jesus. When pain is real, we need to remember that so is hope. And hope's name is Jesus. He helps us overcome every difficulty, every challenge. Paul puts it this way, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Here's the good news, church. God's love is undefeated. 
God's love is undefeated. Whatever you're facing, God's love can conquer the difficulty and the challenge that you face if you're just willing to put your faith in Jesus. He'll come close and his love will conquer the difficulty that you face. All we have to do is say, Jesus, I need you. I want you to be in charge of my life. I want you to lead my life. Forgive my sin. And if you do, he'll be the Lord of your life and he'll show up with love for you. The third thing that God's love does is God's love breaks every barrier. Say barrier. 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 Every barrier. Romans 38 and 39 says this, verse 38 and 39. For I'm convinced. What are you convinced of today? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our, love, our Lord. Often, often our convictions determine our beliefs. Some of us, we're discouraged because of what we believe. We believe that God's gonna be distant. We believe that he's gonna be far away. But I've discovered that deep convictions fuel great actions. In 1997, a family in China experienced their greatest fear. Their two-year-old son had been abducted from their front yard. And these parents did what every parent would do. They went searching for their son. They searched all of their town. They searched all of the province that they lived in and they realized that their son was nowhere to be found. So the dad did what any other dad would do. He decided that he wouldn't stop till he found his son. So he went and he searched everywhere in China. He said, I'm gonna go till I find my son. So he searched and he searched and he searched. He faced difficulty, he faced hardship. He went out on a motorbike and he carried very little. He carried all of his life savings, flyers with his son's face on it. He even had a flag printed with his son's face on it, hoping that someone would see his son's photo and say, I know where he is. He faced mudslides, he faced difficulty, he slept out in the cold, he slept on the side of the road, he faced robbers, he faced every different challenge. He broke bones, by being in car wrecks, but yet he continued, he continued to pursue, to try to find his son. One decade passed, 15 years passed, nearly 20 years passed, and the news caught a hold of his story and they asked him, they said, sir, why do you keep going? And I wanna get it right, this is what he says. Only on the road do I feel I'm a father. I have no reason to stop searching. It's impossible for me to stop. So he continued for two decades. And finally, he reached an age where his body was broken and he could no longer go. And after 20 years of searching and being on the road, he had burned through 10 motorbikes, covered 90% of the country, traveling 500,000 kilometers to look for his son. But yet he still had hope. So what did he do? He set up a charity in hopes of finding his son and to combat child abduction. And through his charity, he was able to help 100 children get reunited with his family, but even the joy of other people would not be a salve to his broken heart because his son was still missing. 
Well, this week, everything changed. This week, after 24 years, his son was found. And when he was reunited, when the son was reunited with his parents, his mom said, my baby is home. And the dad, all he could do was bury his son's face in his chest, and he cried. His lost son was found. I began to reflect on this story this week, and I realized that's how God's love is. God's love will go to any length to make sure that we know we're no longer alone, that we're loved and that we're valued and that we're important to him. I think this doubt reflects the heart of God. For you see, the shape of God's love isn't a diamond like it's exchanged in a wedding ceremony or even a motorcycle. It's a cross. The shape of God's love is a cross. He came, he divested himself of holiness, he divested himself of glory, and he came down to live a rugged, hard life, to live out in the cold, to be rejected by all of humanity so he could die a sinner's death to communicate that we didn't have to be alone, that we were loved and that we were valuable to him. He gave his life to let us know that we didn't have to spend eternity alone. And so today, as I close, I want to invite you to stand with me. When you set aside every distraction, every challenge, every difficulty that you're facing, and I want you to focus centrally on Jesus. He's here to meet with you, and he's saying to you, you don't have to be alone. You don't have to be alone. You just have to put your trust in me. And so today, if you want to experience the love that will go to every length to find you, this is your moment. I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you wanna experience the love of Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. He's here to meet with you. He's saying, son or daughter, all you have to do is call out to me. I'll come find you. I'll save you from every situation and difficulty that you're facing. He's speaking to you now. Many of you, you feel a tug in your heart. That's the love of God saying, just let me in. So on the count of three, if you want to receive Jesus in your heart and experience that love, raise your hand. One, two, three. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Hands all across the auditorium. I want you to say this prayer from your heart. Say, Jesus, I don't want to be alone. I need you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Give me your peace. Give me your love. Forgive my sin. Make me new. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to say welcome to the family of God. Congratulations. We celebrate with you. We invite you to text New Life to the number on the screen. We'd love to greet you at the end at our guest central area. My wife and I would love to encourage you in your new faith walk. But here, now today, we're gonna be able to celebrate the love of Jesus through communion. So I invite you to retrieve your communion elements. We're gonna remember that the shape of God's love is a cross. On that night, right before he went to the cross, he shared a meal with his friends. And he explained to them mysteries that they wouldn't understand till later. He lifted up bread and he said, this is... This represents my body, 
that in just a couple of moments will be broken for you. He broke the bread and he says, take and do this in remembrance of me. I invite you to take this bread that represents his body together. And then he lifted the cup that represented his blood that he shed for all of us. That blood that would hit the ground to provide redemption and healing, to provide eternal life. He said, this, is, this cup represents my blood, which will be shed for you. I'll empty my life so that you don't have to be alone. He lifted it together. He said, take this in remembrance of me. Let's take together. Oh God, we've just taken these elements. But Lord, I pray that your people would realize the extravagant love that you demonstrated through the cross to redeem us, to save us, to give us hope, to draw us close so that we were no longer under condemnation but that we were free. I pray that we would internalize that and that we would realize that you love us and you'll go to the ends of the earth to make sure we understand it. We thank you, Lord, right now for your love and your sacrifice. We see all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And as a final act of worship, we're gonna step into worship. And if you're just grateful for the love of God, our altars are open. If you'd love to come and worship him, our altars are open. Let's worship the Lord who says, you are no longer alone. Let's worship together.